service and pray over Althea and Kay and actually her entire family. They probably don't even know this. We're quite spontaneous. Uh, we would like our contingent contingency group from the Philippines to come up. Um, we want to be able to pray over you guys before you leave. So they're leaving for a very short time. Um, Althea is going to be gone six weeks. Kay is going to be gone three, three weeks, and two weeks here, and two weeks there. Okay, so um, we just want to really bless them today. They've been a great blessing to us. We just feel like the Lord wants to speak to them before they head out, uh, and we're really excited about this. So we're going to just pray over them as they leave. You know, they're going into a third world country that they came from. And so anytime you're traveling in this day and age, it's nice to be covered with prayer. So come on up, guys, the board, a few intercessors if they want to come. I thank you for this matriarch, Lord, who has raised a family <clears throat> to follow you. I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon her. And I pray, Lord, even the love she has for her family, Lord, will be extended, Lord, and her desire for her family to come over here that she will see it accomplished. But I pray, Lord, for a great anointing to rise up upon her as she goes, Lord, that she would hold this family together, but she would see even more things happen spiritually. We pray for protection over her and her family as they go, coming and going. We pray for breakthroughs over demonic atmospheres that are around people in that country. We pray for her to come back with stories of what you've done. Just feel like the Lord's giving me a few illustrations in the Old Testament. And one is just a picture. I feel like you were in the Philippines and it was like a Hagar spirit came over your family. And I just feel like you were driven out of a place. And it was like you were second class citizens and the Lord said no more. He says no more. He says I am the God who hears and I am the God who sees and I am lifting you up. I'm placing you. I'm replacing you. And there's an Isaac promise on your life. And it's in the United States. And there's going to be times you might go back and forth, back and forth. But there is a planting. There's an anointing. There is a favor that's going to function in your family. And it's going to be happening in the United States of America. Oh, what an awesome thing. Also, there's just a Levitical and I know these are Old Testament terms, but there's a setting apart of this family in the area of service to God and worship to God. And so uh, God has put that on this family clearly, and we just want to affirm that. Lord, we also want to affirm that there's going to be other gifts that are going to flow out of this. There's going to be a gift of deliverance when you sing. There's going to be what you've come out of and what you've been delivered from is going to come forth when you worship God. People that hear you are going to begin to be set free. They're not even going to know what they need to be set free from. But things are going to lift off of people in the congregation. God is on the move. And mm -hmm. thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yield 3, it says, Son of man, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first. Listen to them carefully for yourself. Then go out 
and speak to them. So I'm thinking about that as, as we go forth, make sure you guys are covered in your word. You eat the scroll, it says up here, eat, eat the word. And then as those opportunities um, present themselves, then you'll be ready to speak the word. And so I thank you for that, Lord, that cover them, Jesus. Uh, by the blood, Lord, I pray just a covering as they head over their back, Lord. I just pray, Lord, if there are divine appointments, Lord, they will be ready, God. They will be ready for it, God, in Jesus' name. As soon as you came up, the scripture that I heard was um, perfect love casts out all fear. So, Lord, we just believe, God, it's your love. It's your love, God, that covers each of them. God, and they need to fear not because you're with them. And you go before them, God, and you make a way. You wake away, Lord. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would break any places of fear over their lives, God, whether that be individually or collectively as a family, God. Um, and it just, it says that next verse says it's because fear has to do with punishment. So God, we just pray against any fear of punishment. Lord, I don't know what that's about and what that's connected to, Lord, but you are a good father and you love them dearly. They are chosen. They are chosen of you. So we thank you for your love, God, that covers them. Also, the Lord, uh, there's been uh, taking away of your voice, and it's been related to places of shame. And the Lord is saying you're going to forget the shame of your youth. It's a new day. You're going to be set free from shame. And God's going to begin to increase a voice, a voice that's going to speak to dark places. There's going to be freedom from oppression. There's going to be freedom from guilt. Places where the enemy has tried to mock you. Again, the word is no more, no more. The voice is going to increase, not decrease. And he's going to release the shame. The thought that occurs to me is unity. And though you're going to go to the Philippines, seems like it's far away, but you are unified with this church and with this body and with our hearts. And we are connected one in the spirit. There's power in that. That is a connection. That is a covering. That is a covering that wherever you go, you're covered by the love. God's love that changes lives right here in Hillside. And we are with you. And even when you're out of sight, just like the song was singing, even when we don't feel him, even when we don't see him, he's there. Even when you're out of sight, the spirit is going to be reminding us of you, and we are going to be praying for you positively. And the the bridal. There's been a bridal that the Lord's putting on you, and there is a purpose for your life, but I feel like he's going to restrain you, and it's like the young is leading the old into places, and that that even there's times where you wonder what this is all about, what are you doing, why is there that restraint, God is in it, He's going to keep you. He's going to continue to move. There's certain seasons and that there is just a real place of honor for what you've been called to do and the courage it's taken to do it. And there's fruit connected with all of that. And that the multiplication, this is multiplication because everything that you're doing is going to multiply just like when, when Dory was talking about the, the, when you're worshiping, deliverance, healing is going to come that you couldn't even know or speak to. Um, okay, each one of you, but by one mom, this multiplication and each one of you is going to multiply as such. God's a multiplier. Yeah. He likes that. Yeah. 
I would. I want to just share a, a testimony a little bit of Lourdes. How many? How many children do you have? I have seven. This lady has seven children. Hallelujah. And um, and you weren't really able to. You were, I mean, there was some issues that would keep you from having children. Right. I, I'm a heart patient. Yeah. So every time she has a child, her life has been at risk, you guys. But her life was at risk. But can you see how God has sustained this lady and that she has given birth to seven children? That is only the miraculous. That is only the Lord. Amen. The Lord is going to use you over there. Your family is going to see the change in each one of you the growth that you've had in the Lord. And before you know it, you're going to be speaking of God before your family. You're going to be a testimony wherever you go for all your prayers. And it's not all holiday going back to the Philippines. It's going to be a big spiritual warfare to all of us. But then me and my children... I, I was telling them that we don't need to be afraid of anything because it's so simple. You just need to love God and everything will fall into the, its place, right? So it's just that simple. But I ask everyone to please pray for us. And we're going to miss you. And also, <laughs> and also, for those who doesn't believe in prayer... Every single year that I'm giving birth, every year I was thinking, this is it, Lord, I'm going home. Because the heartbeat of my baby is far greater than mine. So every year that I'll give birth, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm going back home. I'm being selfish at that time. And then when I had Altea, I was 36 years old, and my daughter says, that's it. You know, because she already warned me, you can't have any babies after 25. Because your heart is just not, will not be able to handle it. But then I was here when I had Altea. I conceived her here in America. And I was working at the convalescent and I was fine. I said, Lord, what is happening to me? I feel fine. I don't feel anything. Unlike when I was in the Philippines and giving, you know, conceiving all these children. But then when I had Altea, I was still working till I was like eight months pregnant. And then I decided I need to go home because something happened to me here what's going to happen to my baby. So I want to go home and deliver her to the Philippines. And I didn't die. <laughs> so for years I prayed for the Lord for this girl. For every child that I have, this is the one that I prayed for. But the thing is I challenged the Lord for her. Because at 36 years old, I thought, Lord, Thank you that you, I, I, I have this baby, but I haven't had her when I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna, this is it. I'm going back home. I was always excited to go back home, but, but I did it. And then 
I said, Lord, okay, I didn't die, so maybe this baby, you will use this baby to be a covenant of myself to you, and she will grow. So I surrounded Altea with Christians, Christian people. She grew up as a Christian, unlike us. We grew up as a Catholic and all my children, but, but Altea grew up as a Christian, and she is surrounded with Christians. But then the world has a way of coming to your child's life. But I am so happy and blessed that Jeremiah 29, verse 11, the first verse that the Lord have given me when I got born again, have happened and is happening in our life, right? And, and, and for years, I, keep, I don't push her, but, I, but she didn't know that I go ahead and uh, learn the piano, go ahead and I want to train you to, you know, take some music lesson for the voice and, you know, all those things. But, you know, in a way, I am training her at a very young age. But then I don't, I didn't, I'm not telling her, I'm not pushing her to serve the Lord. And then I just keep praying and praying and praying. And then one day, without her even telling me, she's already there. So I said, Oh, thank you, Lord. I love it. I love it. Oh, it sounds like a story right out of the Bible. Doesn't it make you just want to go somewhere so you can get prayer like that? Well, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for that time. Seminars to try to get rich or to try to make more money. Do you know you're in an investment seminar today? You're investing in your spirit, which gives life to your body, and someday it's going to leave your body and it's going to go into eternity. We're investing today in the kingdom of God, if you know Jesus Christ. You know, philosophies today in the world says everything evolved and came out from nothing. That's a lie. Everything around tells that there's an intelligent designer, a creator behind everything that we see. Look at your body. It rebuilds itself every seven years. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so our investment today in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior who saves us from our sin to reconnect our spirit with God and causes us to grow. And the evidence of what you saw today, because people are investing in God, that prophetic presence comes in their spirit and they say things that they haven't predetermined to say. Those words that were said over those people are prophetic. God just comes right up out of our spirit and speaks. And that's why we're here together, to keep growing in Christ, to keep causing our spirit to get stronger and stronger and stronger. I love how Vani got up and shared this, this today. You know, she's the one that goes through a lot of things, is carrying a lot of responsibility. All of us are carrying things, but we are not to carry them alone. And before I do my message, I felt like I had this thought <clears throat> the other morning as I was walking. And it's this word, in between. The definition is situated somewhere between two extremes or recognized categories, intermediate, the middle of the road. And you and me read the Bible, and we read stories like Moses, which is condensed in this one book called Exodus. And we see a man who from birth till 120 years old, all in one book. And we read it, and as we read it, we miss the context of that life. That Moses was a man called by God to bring deliverance to the children of Israel. And so the enemy worked through the Egyptians to try to have him killed. 
But we know the story that miraculously, it was even Pharaoh's daughter that brought that baby and took him and raised him in Pharaoh's house. Isn't that something how God can raise us up in the middle of Satan and the darkness and what the enemy has put against us? That God will raise us up in the midst of adversity and difficulties. Jesus said we're going to be in suffering and trials and tribulations, but we're to be of good courage. Paul told us the more we go through struggles and difficulties, the stronger we grow. We grow spiritually through the things that are in opposition to us. So Moses was this baby. And at 40 years old, something comes over Moses, and he begins to understand there's a call of God in his life to bring deliverance to the children of Israel. And we know that story as he tries to bring unity in that uh, those two brother Israelites fighting, and one is, is hassling the other, and then he kills an Egyptian, and then he has to flee for his life. The in-between. What happened between that boy being born and that 40 years? Life is every day. 40 years is a long period of time. It's the in-between that we don't see, but we read the story and we see the miraculous. We see the hand of God moving that excites us about the miraculous, excites us about prayer, and excites us about God. But it is, it is our in-between life, our day-to-day, that attacks our faith, the things that we go through, our mind, will, and emotions, the feelings that come against us and make us doubt God, make us doubt His Word, make us doubt prayer. But here is Moses, again, 40 more years on the backside of the desert with dirty old sheep, day in and day out, taking care of sheep. No miraculous things going on that we know of. And then all of a sudden, one day, something supernatural happens. Something miraculous begins to happen, and he sees a bush on fire. And God did not speak to him. If you read that passage in Exodus, God did not speak to Moses until he turned aside to look at that, to investigate that sign that he began to see. And God began to speak to him. God commissioned him to go and bring deliverance to the children of Israel. Moses is now 80 years old. Talk about life in between. Experiencing deliverance at his birth. Experiencing transition from being in Pharaoh's house to being out in the wilderness. I think he felt bewildered. There are times when we have a call of God. And there's a times of bewilderment where it seems like everything in that call gets shut down. And we think, what is God doing? And we sometimes even drift from God. But in God's timing in our life, he addresses us, he arrests us, and he reveals himself to us in the in-between. Are you in-between this morning? Are you in-between experiencing Christ, maybe being born again? Are you at the place where wondering, what is this Christian thing all about? I tell you, it is the most powerful thing that you can know, that you can know the God who created you, and his name is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins, and he wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants to change your life. He wants to use every difficult thing in your life to forge character in your spirit and cause you to rise up and to find you're, you're a, a person that God created you to be, but it doesn't happen just because you're uh, stretching your intellect or you're being the best on your job or you're the best athlete it comes by being a follower of jesus christ it comes by prayer and interceding and having faith it is our faith that keeps us in the in-between jesus says that we are to walk by faith not by our sight why because he knows we live in the in-between where we are bombarded by distractions we are bombarded by difficulties we're bombarded by things that our mind cannot understand and we are we there's someone who addresses us he's called the deceiver of the whole world and that's satan and he uses our own mind our own intellect our own understanding to cause us to doubt god in his word and we find ourselves sometimes becoming uh, offended with god because we're not seeing something happen because we don't see what he's doing because we're frustrated about something and that's a trick of the enemy 
God knows that he is working in our life. God invested. God invested in, in um, Joseph. We know that story that Joseph had this dream where all his brothers were going to bow down to him. He was going to be some great person. And we know that Joseph had to go through the death of what God said to him. It says that Joseph went into the prison, and for 13 years he was, he was in prison. He was, he was uh, accused falsely, and he went into that prison place, and he suffered. It says that his, his legs, his ankles suffered in the stocks until the word of God tested and proved him. God's going to test you with things. He's going to prove your character. See, can you carry the anointing? Can you carry the mantle? Can you carry the gifts and things that God wants to put on your life? And it's not easy. Talk to people who have been in the in-between. Talk to people who have struggled and tried to do God's will and had nothing but, but things come against them and people oppose them. But that's the life in the in-between. And I want to encourage you today that we're all in-between. But I tell you, God is working in our life. From the moment you say, Jesus, I believe you're real. I believe you, Lord. He is working. And I tell you, you know what happens in, in, in the life between the in-between? The impossible, the supernatural happens every so often. I tell you, you're about ready to see the supernatural happen in your life. Are you, are you suffering with a sickness or something? I think of the woman who came with the issue of blood 12 years, seeking, 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 asking, seeking, knocking. And at the right moment when she was desperate, she met Jesus and she was healed. I think about the man at the pool of Bethesda for 40 years in the in-between. It was that God's destiny for him that he suffer as a crippled man, not able to get to the pool? No, but in God's timing, in the in-between, God met him. God met him powerfully. And I tell you, your mind would tell you, my circumstances is never going to change. My life is never going to change. My hopes, my dreams, and aspirations are never going to be fulfilled. Those are lies from the pit. God has something for you in the in-between. There's going to be a, a demarcation mark where something happens in that interim, interim purpose and time where God's going to visit you. God's going to do something supernatural in your life. God's going to light a fire in you that hasn't been lit, and you're going to say, I know who I believe in. I know who I serve. He is a living God. He's an active God. He's a God who transforms lives. That was just a little appetizer. I'm supposed to kind of uh, repeat things that I said the week before because I think God wants them to get in our spirit. I see God. I'm asking desperately, if you got me in this place, you got to give me something that is alive for the people this week, this Sunday. And I felt like the word I gave you last week was from Psalms 133.1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's something this body needs to work on. We see the disunity in our government and all the Democrats and the Republicans, we see it everywhere. In workplaces, we see it everywhere. The rebellion, the things going on. And I tell you, it's time for us, the body of Christ, to example unity. And it's a time for us to get rid of attitudes and disconnects and uh, phobias and different things we have about each other and let God build a trust within us. A trust first because we can be unified because Jesus Christ united us to the Father. And it's by His love that we begin to be united with one another. It's not going to happen overnight. Trust takes time to be built. And I tell you, but God wants to build something in this group. We feel like what God wants to do this year is going to be supernatural. We feel like God wants to build. I feel like our church is like that in Acts 2 where it says that 
they became together and they became one and unified. And there's something that happens when a, a body of people get unified. I tell you, there's something that happens in our community. Something's going to happen in Hollister because we're going to be unified and the churches are going to be unified and that we're praying more than we've ever prayed. I tell you, if you've begun to get lax in your prayer, you start praying again. You start knocking. You start seeking. You start asking because that's what Jesus told us to do because we're in the in-between. But this morning, I want us to do something. I want us to pray. I want us to get up and just pray. And I want you, will you just stand right now? We're going to pray. You pray about the things that make you feel disconnected with people. And, and maybe there's people that you don't trust or people that have hurt you, and I want you to start surrendering those things to God because those are going to affect our unity. And as we begin to lift these things to God, God can bring healing to us. We can't do it on our own. We can't deal with emotions that bring us pain. We can't deal with hurts that uh, the enemy triggers from the past and our emotions uh, get re-triggered over and over. But let's let God have those things that keep us from being unified. Let's give him the fears about being connected with people. Let's give him the, the uh, anxiousness about being in relationship. Our sinful nature, we were broken from God. And there's things that separate us from being in unity. But it is God and it is Jesus who prayed for unity. So let's just pray right now on our own. And I'll just be praying out loud. Lord, you know the things in our lives that cause disunity. And we pray against the spirit of disunity that we see rampant in our land. We see the disunity because people don't like what decisions or people are making. The distrust in leadership. And I pray that you would move in such a way that you would move on our hearts as Christians and believers. That you would connect us deeply with Jesus again. And that you would connect us with each other. God, even as you pray for your disciples, we pray that you would unify us Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our leaders that you would bring unity, Father. I pray for church leaders all over the world, and especially our country, that you would bring us into unity. Bring our leaders in Hollister, our church spiritual leaders, bring us into unity, Lord, this year. God, let us begin to see the breaking down of barriers and a unification of the body of Christ like we've never seen before, that we might see a wave of revival and transformation happen in the lives of people. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you. That wasn't bad, was it? Keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking and knocking. Those of you who can pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit more because that's powerful prayer that between your Spirit and God that God hears and answers. In, ver- in Psalms 133.2, the second verse says, It, he's talking about unity, is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garment. It was a fragrant oil representing the anointing oil that the priests had in, set up in Exodus. And this fragrant oil was oil, but it was representation of Aaron's anointing to be a priest over the people, to be that go-between, to pray over the people, to offer sacrifices for the people's sins, that they could be connected with God by, by those sacrifices. Today, it is the oil of the Spirit that we call on today when we pray. It is the oil of the Holy Spirit that does something in our heart, in our mind, that helps us let go of the divisions and the things that, that the enemy has used to keep us divided and not trusting each other. It's not going to be easy. We're probably going to have confrontations. I hope to see this year, like never before, almost 20 years we've had this church going, and we've t- said, Matthew 18, how we keep unity. That when we're offended with someone, we don't talk to anybody else. We go right to the person. We make sure we can work it out. Because if we can work it out, we're restored with our brother. But if we don't go to them first, then we start getting other people infected. And Hebrews says when someone's infected, many are defiled. And how many churches have been emptied because of disunity uh, and disrespect and not going to the person and working it out? And you know what? All of us have to do it. 
Me and Dory have to do it. We've learned to do it. Our pastors in the church we came from talked to us about making sure there's unity happening. If we have unity, we are going to see a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit, a greater power being released. And we ourselves are going to have greater witnesses and greater things to say because we are experiencing the power of God in our life in a living Jesus Christ. In Psalms 33, the the B part of the verse, for there the Lord commanded blessing. Where? In unity, God commands a blessing. Do you all want blessing? Do you want blessing? The Bible says that God commands blessing. I tell you, what kind of blessing is God going to break through when we start letting go of attitudes and unforgiveness and bitterness and things that have happened, even entering offenses to other people? I tell you, we are about to experience blessing like never before because we're getting things right. We're getting our hearts right. We're, we're committing ourselves to having the unity that God's talking about. We're going to start re- re- um, like resolving things with people. Have you ever resolved with someone? It's just something. It's like you just gain someone back when you resolve with them. And it is hard, it's a hard thing. And that's why uh, we don't do it. It feels difficult. The enemy tells you, oh, it's, you can't do that. Or it makes us feel uncomfortable to humble ourselves. But as Christians, we have to humble ourselves. Because it says when we humble ourselves, God exalts us. God lifts us up. And you only experience that when you resolve things with someone. You feel like, oh, wow, what just lifted off of me? Okay, I'm throwing a lot at you. Changing gears again, because we want God's blessing, and He's going to do that. Last week, I started talking about spirituality, and that's simply investing, because we're reconnected with God through Jesus Christ, we're investing in our spirit, and our spirituality is around our spirit. You know, again, the enemy, the world, keeps us involved in our five senses and our body. I tell you, there's our spirit we're neglecting, and that's eternal That's what we're going to carry into eternity. And so as we invest spiritually, we're investing in ourselves. And when our spirit rises to that place, you have to tell me you know how stronger you feel when your spirit is connected with God, when you know you're walking with Jesus. There's something, there's an energy force, which is your spirit. It's your life force in you from God that it, it feels like you could do anything. That's the place where faith rises from. That's the place where the apostles ministered from and did signs, wonders, and miracles. It was because the Holy Spirit developing their spirituality because they had connected with Jesus Christ and Him being Lord of their life. Last week, I began to talk about spirituality. And big, that big part is in reading the Bible. And it starts when we accept Jesus Christ. That's where our spirituality really begins. We're reconnected with God. Before that, we're disconnected from God, and we're looking for God, and we're just kind of fumbling through life on our own. But when we're connected with Jesus Christ, there's a power source just gets reignited in our life, and we think, wow, wow, where was, how was I living before I asked Jesus to come in and fill this place that's from Him? The goal, and part of this is, is our Bible reading. And you see uh, on our slides, and back in the back, on the middle table in the, in the lobby, there's these three papers. This whitish one is for the month of January. And if you've never uh, had a, a Bible reading plan, you can pick this up in the back and start reading uh, throughout. Get, get on track. If you've missed already a few days, we're already uh, the, the 13th in the month, you could start today or tomorrow and start reading the Bible through in a year. It is the Word of God that feeds your spirit. You eat food, it feeds your natural body. You may not understand it, but you know when you eat, you feel strength. When you read the Word of God, it strengthens your spirit. And so often the body of Christ is anemic because they're not reading the Word. It's not enough that you listen to me for a few minutes on Sunday or you listen to some podcasts. You have to get in the Word for yourself. 
Jesus, when he was dealing with, uh, with um, uh, Peter, you know, he, Peter was worried about uh, God's relationship, what he was going to do with John. And, and Jesus said, hey, you don't worry about John. You follow me. And all of us need to individually follow Jesus. And when we're in the Word, we're feeding for ourselves. You're going to get stuff from me. You're going to get stuff from other people. But there's nothing like you feeding on the Word of God yourself, just like you feed yourself. You know, it wasn't too long, even when you were a toddler, and you're fighting your mom for that spoon, I want to feed myself. That's what happens when you start getting the hold of the Word of God, and you start determining, I'm going to choose spiritual meat. I'm going to understand the Word of God. I'm going to wrestle with God about things I don't understand, and something begins to happen in our life. So these, these examples or these things are going to back in the back if you need something. You can go online also and look. There's different apps, different things you can get that will help you grasp the Bible. There's different translations. Maybe you're bogged down. You've been reading the same translation for 10 years. Get a new translation. Try a new aspect of reading the Word. But read the Word. It is the Word of God that's going to feed you. The goal in Bible reading is spirituality. Again, to strengthen your life in, in God. But also, it affects relationship. I was thinking about Dory today. Man, when we, got, when we, got, when we let God put us together, totally unusual, we totally let God put us together. And when we started, even when we got married, it's like our soul wasn't even really attracted to each other. It was like kind of the weirdest thing. But our first five years, we were wrestling. We were wrestling with each other's personality, our, our likes, our dislikes, and struggling. And we still struggle once in a while. But I tell you, after almost 37 years, we have a love. I have a love for my wife that I never had. You know, we grow apart. You know, we get married sometimes thinking it's going to be the end all. And yet, it's, it's like it takes a fight to work through things and learn to love someone. But you can only do that if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord because he keeps you focused on him and he helps you be able to work it out with your partner. It is the love of God that keeps changing us. It's that source you draw on because we don't have, our love is selfish. We don't have the love we need all on our own, but we go to God and we get his love and it fills the deepest place in our spirit and then we get his love to give it out in our family relationships, in our marriages. And God wants to bring healing in marriages this year and, and stronger marriages. And you know what? Some of you single, God wants to bring healing and bring someone to you this year. It can happen. He, he, he loves marriage. He established it. He says it's good. So we're going to, I want to talk a little bit. I never really did little teaching, but I wanted to do some teaching on like the, kind of on the word exegesis. I did a little bit last week and I just want to do a little bit more. And my, my clock is running fast. I give you the scripture last week, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is inspired by God. And he had men and women input into that Bible, men who were f- and women who were filled with the Holy Spirit to impart so that the word of God could be written down so we would have something tr- uh, tangible, rock solid that we could lean on that builds our faith. It has to be built on truth. Think of this, God it says he spoke everything to existence by the word of his power. It says all the universe is held up by the word of his power. So if his word was to be a lie or change at all, everything would fall apart because God is 100% true. And so that's where we have a good basis to go to the Bible and begin to build truth. I got some stuff from uh, this book called Listening to the Spirit in the Text. Gordon Fee wrote this, We must come to the Bible the text, with an absolute conviction that it is God's word, that here God speaks and we listen. Thus, our concern is coming to the text to hear from God. We must also believe that the Bible text is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that breathed on the authors who were listening and connected with God that wrote down the scriptures and wrote down the Bible for us. 
People always say that, you know, nothing can be kept through generations that is accurate because men, they lose things as they're cropping down. And yet, the Isaiah scrolls were found, I think, in the 60s or the 70s, and they compared it to the copies that have been tra uh, transcribed from years, and they found that the original Isaiah scroll was exactly what had been transcribed over the generations. Can God keep His Word? He can keep His Word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word, Romans 10, 17. When you accept Jesus, when you hear the message, first you hear the message of Jesus about salvation in Jesus Christ. You hear that message, and faith is coming through that message. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. But when you say, Jesus, I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to believe that, hey, I'm a sinner. You die for me, and you say, come into my heart. I want forgiveness of sin. Something happens, and your spirit is made alive, and you're born again. Faith is deposited in your heart, and now you begin to develop, develop that faith. How do you read the Word? This year, determine you're going to read the Word very slowly, very carefully, and you're going to reread it at times. Because as you're reading, it's like a gold miner mining for gold. And sometimes you just glance over, but sometimes your spear is going to catch something and you're going to go back. And you might even write down a phrase or something that the Bible says, and as you feed on it, you're going to find that the Holy Spirit begins to unlock that message to you. You're going to find that God has given you something to hang on to, to lean on as you're growing and going through your day. Listening to the Spirit again, from the textbook. Biblical authors communicating to a person were not only inspired by the Holy Spirit, but also brought their own spirituality to the writing of the text. True interpretation of the text attempts to engage in the author's spirituality, not just in his or her words. Again, ordinary people wrote down the Bible, but they had encountered the living God, and something in their spirit was ignited by who they were relating to, and the supernatural experiences they had that they were able to communicate in a way that captured the audience and grabbed a hold of them and changed their life. I see my wife, she reads these books all the time. Now, lately, she's reading these uh, books written by authors who take spiritual things and then go into uh, the historical, accurate historical things, but they're novels. And she's getting so wrapped up and involved in these books that it's incredible to hear the things that she's saying and to see how she can get captured. Have you ever been captured by an author? I tell you, the Holy Spirit has had authors write things down, and the author behind the authors, behind the scribes, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, He wants to capture your heart as you read the Scriptures. He wants to capture you, and He wants to invest in you the living Word of God. The Bible says the Word is living and active, acting and it's alive and it's able to penetrate our, our hearts and our desires and our deceptions that the enemy is trying to do so that we are drawing on the living word of God and having experiences with him in your bulletin and I hope you keep it with you this week and I want you to approach the text and I hope you'll keep this in your Bible and approach the text with these questions that are in the in the um, they're on the screen but also they're in your bulletin questions that I'm to ask the Bible text what is the historical context as you read a section, ask what the historical context. Look for that historical context. Ask, who was the writer or author addressing? First, it's going to be from God, but there's going to be a human author. What is the context of the message? What is the context of this message that I'm reading in the Word? What is the spiritual message? In the Word, there is a spiritual message for you that's going to be relevant for now, for today. And you must read the Word looking for the spiritual element. It's one thing to read for history or for the context or 
what the author was saying, but it's another thing to receive the spiritual thing. That's what's going to feed you. That's what's going to give you faith. That's what's going to give you a prophetic promise at times, something that you're going to hang on to as you're waiting in the in-between for when God's going to deliver what he's promising. What was the author trying to communicate spiritually to the people he wrote? So he's speaking from God to them, but also he's going to speak to you. But it's important to, to receive the message that God is speaking even to the people or generations that he's talking to and also then to pull it back for yourself. And what is the author's spiritual message that applies to me? Hopefully this will be a help for you guys. And um, I guess I should give you one key verse before. It's 11.45. It's time to go. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God. Approved, tested by trial, a workman who is has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Will you stand with me? We're going to close, and if you have to go, you can leave right away. But if you want prayer, maybe you want to come and wrestle with God. Maybe you want to say, you know what, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing, and I have some questions. Why don't you come? No one's going to bother you. Come over here and just pray, and this is a good time. You just heard the word. You've been in God's presence. It's a good time to wrestle with God. God loves wrestling. God loves when he wrestles with us because he respects our will. But he says to us, come, let us reason together. Let's work things out. Let's understand each other. If you simply want prayer, if you want someone to agree with you, you need a healing, you need some kind of change, you need something in your marriage, come. People over here, we have teams of people who pray. They have been praying and they've been seeking God. They're open. They might have a prophetic word that'll give you some truth. If you need a word of wisdom, if you need something, uh, someone to agree with you, people will pray.